0: arsenic a murdered doctor no not watson thank goodness a food taster and a queen of not so original descent but a queen nonetheless in today's first episode of sherlock and watson adventures the murder by moonlight and a practical joke for one unsuspecting family member turns out to be a deadly prank with the most evilest of intents, listeners two episodes of Sherlock Holmes today, in my thanks for your patience over this past weekend. There won't be holidays from now till September, so we're in the clear. No more disruptions, provided I don't get sick. Both these episodes were challenges, in fact they are of the few that are skipped in the lineup for most Sherlock Holmes due to their damaged tapes. I've been able to repair them, but these two require some technical lovin'. Not for the reasons many think. Noise in audio is usually the culprit and gets in the way of most audio repair issues, and is probably the most common of fixes or repairs to audio that you'll hear. My issue with these tapes are actually skips or wobbles in the audio that require nips and tucks where possible. Not all can be fixed without losing their audio so I've kept some in. But I've been able to apply de-clicking, combining audio clips together and repairing white noise by reducing their effect or listening their effects to a point where it eradicates them. If you ever go back and listen to the originals, I think you'll know what I mean. I really hope you take the time to listen to these two because they're really, really good. I mean, who doesn't want to hear Watson try on a Scottish accent? Mates, join your tale teller with an Earl Grey and a great old-time radio drama. Enjoy.
1: Good evening, Doctor.
2: Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Come over here and join me with a fire.
1: I didn't think it was cold enough for a fire tonight, Doctor. Oh, I
2: suppose it isn't really, but there was one late, so I just couldn't resist putting a match to it.
1: <laughs> Fire's a good accompaniment to storytelling anyway.
2: Oh, yes, my boy, a fire and a glass of port.
1: Uh, care to join me in one? Thanks, Doctor. So, uh, you're going to tell us a sea story tonight.
2: Yes, Mr. Bartell. The whole adventure took place aboard a small steamer as it plowed through the stormy seas ...of the Indian Ocean. Uh, here's your glass, my
1: boy. Thanks. And uh, what were you and the great Sherlock Holmes... ...doing on the Indian Ocean, may we were I We are on our way
2: to Calcutta... ...to solve the case of the vanishing elephant... ...of Pa Butipur.
1: Oh, yes, the story you told us a few weeks ago. That's quite right, my boy.
2: It's in the summer of 1894... ...that we left Liverpool... ...aboard the steamship Lucifer. It wasn't a large ship... ...and as both the Mediterranean and the Red Sea... ...proved somewhat, shall we say, unfriendly... I may tell you, the first part of the voyage was quite unpleasant. In fact, until we left Aden, I had spent most of the time in my cabin. However, as we headed eastward towards Colombo, the weather cleared up a bit, and I came on desk and joined home. I remember on the second night out of Aden, we paced the decks together. The stars above us twinkled, the promise of a bright tomorrow, and the faint tinkle of a piano being played in the passenger lounge formed a perfect setting for an evening stroll. It only seems like yesterday. Holmes, said Watson, it's
3: good to see you on your feet again. Yes, it's good to be on them, Holmes. It's been a miserable trip for me so far. The captain told me tonight that we can expect good weather between here and Caravati, our next port of call. I thought Colombo was the next stop. And where is Calabati, whatever you call it? Anyway, I never heard of the place. It's a tiny island in the Indian Ocean. It's a British protectorate. Those are the only facts I was able to glean from the encyclopedia in the oh, ship's library. Did you library. ask the captain why we're stopping there? No, no, I didn't. Um, as we are traveling incognito, I felt it wiser not to ask too many questions. I find this
2: incognito business something of a strain.
3: Every time a steward calls me Mr. Hamish, I can't think who on earth he's talking to. Uh-huh. Ah, whereas well, as I find myself answering to Mr. Mycroft almost automatically. By the way, old chap... Now that you're going to mix with the ship's passengers, I suggest that you adopt a Scotch accent. It would seem more appropriate for Mr. Hamish, and I don't want anyone aboard to suspect our true identity. Uh, I'll do my best, but I must say, Holmes, I think you're being unnecessarily mysterious. <laughs> Possibly I've been influenced by reading too many of your rather florid stories of our adventures together. My stories are not florid. They're all perfectly true. Oh, don't be angry with me, old chap. Don't be angry, please. <laughs> by the way, uh, we uh, you'll be interested to know that I've... Uh, Unearthed a little mystery aboard this I boat. I trust you to do that. Where is she? I mean, well, uh, Oh, you observe that suite of cabins on the bridge deck above us? Yeah? What about them? Well, I've been watching them during uh, my nightly strolls for the past two weeks. The suite is occupied, and uh, the blinds are never raised. And I've never seen meals taken in there. I presume, therefore, that it must contain a private galley and a cook. I don't say anything mysterious about that. It's probably occupied by some wealthy invalid. Well, possibly. Possibly. Another interesting fact is that the occupants are not uh, entered on the ship's passenger list. This all
2: sounds very mysterious. There's probably a perfectly simple explanation for it. In any case, you must save your energies for the problem that awaits us in India. You're
3: Mr. Mycroft now, remember that. I will, Mr. Hamish.
2: Uh, Mr. Mycroft?
3: Uh, yes, Mr. Hamish? Would you care to join me for a wee drop of brandy in the smoking room? <laughs> Mr. Hamish, I shall be delighted. <laughs>
2: Ah, this is
3: excellent, Brandy. Excellent. Watson, Watson, you notice that rather garrulous gentleman over there in the corner?
2: You mean the one at the table with the oriental looking fellow?
3: Yes, the talkative man is the ship's doctor, but I haven't seen the other gentleman before on this voyage. I wonder if he's an occupant of a mysterious suite on the bridge deck. Let's go over and talk to him, shall we? And remember the accent, Mr. Hamish.
4: (laughs) And so, Werder... When we landed at Colombo, I decided to take Mrs. Abbott for a moonlight rickshaw drive
3: from the Cinnamon Gardens. Uh, uh, did you gentlemen want to see me? Uh, if you'll excuse us, Dr. Harris, my friend Mr. Hamish and I were having a little argument, and we thought perhaps you might be able to settle it for us. An
4: argument? Oh, I love a good argument. Uh, sit down, gentlemen. This uh, this is Mr. Berder. How do you do,
3: gentlemen?
2: Good evening, sir. My name is Hamish, and this is my friend Mr. Mister Mycroft.
5: I'm so happy to meet you, gentlemen. Now, how do you do, know, Mr. Berder?
4: Ah, now, gentlemen, uh,
3: tell me what you're arguing about. Uh, well, I Doctor, have a good uh, argument. Uh, you see, it, it wasn't exactly an argument. My friend Mr. Hamish insists that the Suez Canal was built by a Dutchman in 1870. I'm convinced that it was built by Lesseps, a Frenchman, in 1869. We, uh, we thought you'd know. <laughs> you flatter me. I'm only
4: a ship's doctor, not an historian. Ask Verdi. He probably knows. Uh, can you settle the
5: question for us, sir? I can, my Mr. Mycroft. Uh, you're almost correct. The canal was opened in 1869. Though its construction began ten years previously. De Recep's, a French engineer, was in charge of the operation. There is a statue of him in Portside Harbor, built to commemorate his skill and enterprise. Much oh, obliged to you, Mr. Vera. Uh, Hamish, I think that I win my bet. Aye, my cuff. I'm afraid you do if you're sure of your facts, Mr. Werner. <laughs> uh, I'm sufficiently sure of them, Mr. Hamish. To venture a small wager myself. No, no, no. I think I'll not make any more bets on the subject, thank you. Uh, well, gentlemen, if you will excuse me, I shall return to my cabin now. Oh, don't go. No, uh, no, no, don't go, sir. It'll make us feel as if we'd driven you away. Oh, not at all, Mr. Hamish. I enjoyed meeting you both, but I have some letters to write. Good evening, gentlemen.
1: Uh,
2: he's, he's a charming person.
3: Charming and extremely knowledgeable. A mm, bit of a bore,
2: if you ask me. Uh, you two fellas enjoyed your trip? I'm just beginning to. It takes a little
4: time to get my sea legs, you know.
3: Uh, Dr. Harris, how long have you been on this ship?
4: Four years. Uh, this is my 23rd trip east on the Lucifer. Uh-huh. Why? Well, uh, there's something that
3: puzzles me on board this ship. I'm assured that you would explain it to me. And what is it? Well, the, uh, suite of cabins on the bridge deck. Who occupies
4: them? <laughs> wouldn't you like to know? I don't know We would, and that's why my friend asked you. Well, I'll tell you. No, it's supposed to be a secret. But there'll be no harm in telling you now, for we're dropping anchor off the island of Cavarati in the morning. In that suite of rooms, in that suite of rooms, is the Rani of Cavarati herself. She has her own staff of servants and everything. What do you think of that? Oh, how
3: very interesting. And is the Oriental gentleman who uh, left the table when we arrived part of our entourage? He is, sir. He's a
4: sort of uh, Prime Minister of Cavarati. This whole trip of days is very hush-hush. Rani returning to her country... Afraid someone might make an attack on her life. Have to keep it all high-sides. is an island that's had
3: a lot of trouble. <laughs> you seem to be remarkably well-informed about the
4: place, sir. Yeah, I should be. I used to practice there in my younger days. Oh, really? how oh, Very interesting. Yes, I could tell you strange tales about the island. I remember... Wh- oh, hello. See that fellow coming into the lounge? You mean the big one with the, the grey hair? Yes. That's Sir Christopher Wyatt. Owns all the tea plantations on Cavarati. He's a dull fellow, but I'll call him over. Uh, Wyatt, come over and join us. Be careful. we you will talk your head off if you give him half a chance. Ah, draw up a chair, Wyatt. We were
6: just, just talking about Cavarati. It seems to me that would be a good subject to keep away from. At least till after tomorrow, Harris. What do you mean? You know perfectly well what I mean. I should have thought that after your own experience on cabaret you'd have
4: learned a little discretion. You're talking like a schoolmaster, Wyatt. Why don't you sit down and have a drink and be friendly? Thank you. I prefer my own company.
3: Pompous ass. Huh. You and Sir Christopher don't seem on the best terms, to.
4: I know too much about him. He's afraid of me. That's what he is. Uh, look at this girl coming in the room.
3: Great scotch. She's good looking. Judging by our oriental costume, she must be a member of the Rani's Retinue. <laughs> She's coming to our table. Yes, my dear.
7: What is it? Which of you gentlemen is Mr. Mycroft, please? I am. My mistress sends her compliments and asks that you will call on her in her suite.
3: And who is your mistress, may I ask?
7: Her Highness, the Rani of Kavarati. Oh,
3: I shall be delighted. Please tell the Rani that I shall pay my respects without delay. We will join her in a few minutes.
7: Very well, Mr. (laughs) Mycroft.
2: You know, Holmes, this is pretty exciting. The girl that just brought us the message was a stunning creature. Imagine what the Rani
3: herself must be like. What an incurable romanticist you are, Watson. I suppose you picture the Rani clad in oriental splendour, reclining like an Odalisque on silken cushions. No,
2: no, no, there's no need to make
7: follow me (laughs) over.
3: Huh, here we are, Captain.
7: Ah, it is you, gentlemen. Follow me, please. Come in. Her Highness, the Ronnie of Cavaratti. All right, Reguna, you can offer it. Yes, Your Highness. Well, um, me lads, don't look so startled. Come in and sit down. Your Highness, I... Uh, What's the matter? What's the matter? Don't I fit into your picture of a Ronnie? What did you expect? A slant-eyed beauty with a veil and big hips? Well, I've got the big hips, all right. Uh,
6: your <laughs>
4: Highness, Oh, um, never uh, mind, what?
7: Your Highness. Sit yourselves down and talk free and easy like. I may as well begin by telling you that I know who you both are, Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Oh, dear me, dear me. Oh, I've seen you in the good old days in London, you know.
3: Uh, may I ask if I visit this purely a social one, or are you in need of uh, professional advice? Oh,
7: a little of both, Mr. Holmes, a little of both. And we'll start off with being social. Rumor. Mame Champagne. But that's him,
2: If you'll pardon my asking you, madam, but uh, I haven't seen you before. Someone...
7: <laughs> oh, that's a question I've always haven't answered. Yes, you probably have, Dr. Watson. You see, I was in the chorus at Daly's Theatre in London for uh, quite a few years until the Roger of Carverati decided I'd look better on his island than I did in front of the footlights. Uh,
3: your husband, the Roger, is dead, isn't he? <laughs> yes,
7: he, he was killed playing polo. Champagne, madam. Polo. Champagne, can you uh-huh. He doesn't speak English, so I'll get along with telling you my troubles. Mr. Holmes, somebody's trying to kill me. Kill
3: you? It's God. Uh, may I ask what reason you have for saying that, madam?
7: You may, Mr. Holmes. Before I left England, I had threatening letters warning me that if I ever went back to Cavarotti, I'd never get to the island alive. got another letter in Portside that said the same thing.
3: You kept these letters, I trust?
7: No, I didn't. I tore them up. I never did pay any attention to letters that weren't signed. Well, that's
2: a great pity, madam. Those letters might have been invaluable.
7: Well, it's too late to think about that now, Dr. Watson. Here's what's on my mind. I landed Cavarati in the morning. And if anyone's up to a bit of no good, tonight's their last chance.
3: You destroyed the threatening letters, madam, thereby indicating that you did not believe in the threats, and yet you now appear to feel that you are in danger. I wonder what made you change your mind.
7: The Ace of Spades. Yes. I don't understand you, madam. In the last two days, every time I tell my fortune, I get the ace of spades. Oh, now, you know what that means. Death.
3: Oh, come now, madam. If you'll pardon my saying so, that's a very childish superstition.
7: Well, the cards have never lied to me yet. Oh, you can laugh at it if you like, but I know.
3: <laughs> well, you mind if I
7: ask you a few questions? Anything you like, Mr. Holmes. Fire away. How long is it since you were in Cavaletti? Mm, about 18 months. We were in England when my husband died, and... I couldn't face the idea of going back to that island alone. In three months ago, Verder... Oh, he's the chief minister of cover art. Yes,
2: yes, yes, madam. We met him
3: for a moment in the lounge. Oh,
7: well, Verda came over to England to persuade me it was my duty as the Ronnie to go back.
3: I see. As far as you know, have you any enemies among the passengers on board the ship?
7: Oh, that's an odd one to answer, Mr. Holmes. But I can tell you right here in my suite there's someone who doesn't like me. A girl, Raduna, the one that brought you my message. She was in love with the Roger herself. Oh, I know she hates me, even though she did stay with me in England after my husband died. Mm, how about
3: Father, your minister?
7: <laughs> oh, he's all right. My husband thought the world of him, and he's been wonderful to me.
3: He came from Cavallari recently, you say, to persuade you to return there.
7: That's right, Mr. Holmes. Well, Bruma seems to be all right after drinking that champagne, so it'll be safe for us to have some now.
1: Champagne au magret? But that, Jim, Oh, I've
2: been burning with curiosity to know why you gave him a glass of champagne a few minutes ago, and yet we. <laughs> didn't have any.
3: Well, surely that's obvious, Watson. Mm-hmm. Our fuma is the official poison taster, mm-hmm. isn't he, madam?
7: That's right, Mr. Holmes. He tastes everything I eat or drink before I do. And if it doesn't affect him, then I know it's safe. He'd brought him over to England when he came to fetch me. On the island of cavarotti poisoning's quite an army, you know.
3: There were uh, two people in the smoking room who seemed to know quite a lot about your island. The ship's doctor, a rather garrulous gentleman by the name of Harris, and Sir Christopher Wyatt who owns tea plantations on the island. Do you
7: know either of them, madam? I should say I do, both of them. Dr. Harris isn't any good. He was on the island for a bit, got into some kind of trouble, and my husband had him thrown out.
3: Mm, And how about Sir Christopher
7: Wyatt? (laughs) Oh, Chris is all right. I saw quite a bit of him in London after my husband's death. (laughs) As a matter of fact, well, if I weren't going back to Caberati, I I don't think he'd be on the boat at all. He hasn't been there for over five years. Ever since he had a row with my husband over the wages he paid the native labour. It seemed to
3: me that several people aboard this boat have a personal interest in the island of Cavaratti. Interests that might uh, be influenced by your death.
7: Just what
2: I was going to say, madam, I think we should uh, keep an eye on you.
7: Oh, that's just what I was hoping you'd say, doctor. You see, I'm giving a bit of a supper party tonight. All the people we've been talking about have been invited. And I thought, well, I thought if you two were to be here, perhaps you'd be on the lookout for any, any funny business. How about it? Well, of course we'll
3: come, won't we, Holmes? I think it might be a good idea, though I would suggest that we retain our incognitoes as Mr. Hamish and uh, Mr. Micro.
7: Well, whatever you say, Mr. Holmes. And now, let's have that champagne.
6: You
2: know, Holmes... I remember the Raleigh when she was in the court of dailies.
3: She looked stunning and tight.
2: There was one night I. Yes, tried, no, I'm old it we Don't we... mind. At well, the moment, there's a question I to want learn. to ask you.
3: Oh, sir. Is your medical bag fully equipped with all the antidotes to poison?
2: Poison? It's ridiculous. <coughs> How could the Raleigh be poisoned when she has a poison taster?
3: My dear Watson, you mustn't. Hey, uh... Help! Help! What the blazes. Uh... Come on, Watson. That cry came from the companionway. There are two
2: figures struggling by the rail there.
3: Good heavens. One of us pushed the other down the companionway. Ah!
2: Good Lord. His skull smashed in.
6: I'm afraid What's that he... What's happened? Sir Christopher Wyatt. What are you doing here? I was taking a stroll. I heard a yell from this direction and came here as fast as I could. Great Scott. This fellow's bleeding badly. We must get the ship's doctor. It's hardly necessary, I fear, Sir Christopher. What do you mean? In the first place, this
3: man is dead. In the second place... He is the ship's doctor.
1: We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, so I'm just going to ask you to do one thing for me. Well, I should say for yourself. Tomorrow night, if you're having meat or any meat dish for dinner, why not open up a bottle of Petri California Burgundy? That wonderful, rich, red Petri Burgundy will turn your dinner into a real feast. you see if it doesn't. Because there's nothing like a good wine with good food. And I know your family gets good food, and I know that Petri Burgundy is a good wine. In fact, it's a perfect mealtime wine. Try it and see. And now, Dr. Watson, tell us what happened next. You said you found the ship's doctor dead at the foot of the companionway? Yes, Mr. Bartell. His neck had been broken instantly. Imagine there was a good deal of excitement aboard. No, my
2: boy, as a matter of fact, there wasn't. We managed to get the body back to its cabin without attracting attention. Holmes, after revealing his true identity, was able to persuade the captain to hush up the killing until after the Rani's party had taken place.
1: Oh, well, he didn't want to scare the murderer, I guess.
2: W- what happened next, Doctor? Holmes and I returned to our cabin to dress for the party.
3: Oh,
2: Holmes, I remember, was in a state of suppressed excitement. He spoke quietly.
3: Watson, surely it's obvious why the doctor was murdered. Well, it
2: isn't obvious to me. But it's elementary,
3: my dear fellow. You're playing a subtle murder by poison. How wise to remove the one man who might save the victim's life. A doctor.
2: Oh, you keep harping on poisoning. It seems to me that it would be the last way a murderer would try to dispose of the Rani. Everything she touches is first tested by the poison tester.
3: Exactly. That's why I call it a subtle murder attempt. Didn't you notice the physical attributes of Pruma, the poison tester? Uh, which particular? Huh? His unusually glossy hair, his remarkably clear complexion, his plump figure. Look here. Just tell me one thing, will you? What's that? I presume that in your medical bag you have a supply of magnesia. Natural. Do you also have hydrated ferric oxide? Yes, I do. Splendid. And to to party. Oh, funny things to take to a party, I must say. true, my dear fellow, but I'm afraid that this party may not prove as convivial as the Rani thinks. Holmes, it's
2: nearly one in the morning. Everything seems to be going
3: splendidly. It seems to be, Watson, but keep your eyes on the Rani.
2: Yes, I have been. The poison taste has tested everything that passed her lips.
6: Uh, we don't endorse to you, Sir Christopher. Uh, you having a good time? Yes, indeed, thank you, Mr. Hamish. How about you, Mr. Mycroft? Oh, the Rani's a perfect hostess. Who could help having a good time? I don't think that girl, Regina, should be here, though. I don't want to be pompous, but after all, she's only a glorified servant.
3: Oh, possibly the laws of etiquette are not so strict in
6: Cavaratti uh, <coughs> they are in London, Sir Christopher. Oh, perhaps you're right. But I don't trust the girl. There's <coughs> something shifty about her. I've told the Rane more than once. Oh, well, I suppose it's none of my business. I think I'll try and persuade the Rani to sing with one of her old songs. No,
2: he doesn't trust the Doona, and I don't trust him. I don't think it was an accident that we found him near the body of Dr. Harris. Shh,
3: here comes Vera.
5: I trust you gentlemen are enjoying yourself. Very
3: much, Mr. Vera, thank you. I imagine you must be
5: excited at the prospect of returning to Calabati. I am, Mr. Mycroft. Though I only left it three months ago, it has seemed more like three years. If you can, what time will arrive there? I am told that we shall be there in five hours, Mr. Henry.
2: Oh, look, look, look.
3: runners at the piano. She must be going to give us a tune. <laughs> yes, let's move a little closer, shall we?
7: Chris here has asked me to sing something. Well, my voice isn't what it used to be, and don't I know it? But me spirit's the same, and that's enough to put a number over. So, old tight boys, here we go. My sweetheart's the man in the moon. I'm going to marry him soon. Two would fill me with bliss just to give him one kiss, but I know that a dozen I never would miss. I'll go up in a great big... Oh...
3: Great Scotch she, she... Watson! Your medical bag. I'll lock the door.
7: Right your Holmes. Bring some water, please. Help me. Oh, please, What's help the me. What is the matter?
2: Don't be frightened, and madam. You? I'll take Mr. care of you.
7: Vestie, uh, give me water. Oh, such pain.
2: All the symptoms of arsenic poisoning. Now I know why Holmes asked me for helium and magnesia. Ferric yes, oxide.
7: Yes. Do something for me, doctor. I'm dying.
2: Don't worry, Your Highness. You're not going to die. She's going to live, Holmes.
6: Ah, oh, gracious me, I'm tired. It's touch and go there for a while, eh? Huh? Well
3: done, Watson, old chap. Well done.
6: Now that she's out of danger, why can't we all go back to our cabins? It's nearly dawn and we've been locked in here since one o'clock. You've no right to do this, you know.
3: Possibly not, Sir Christopher, but there's a murderer in this cabin and I don't intend to let him escape.
7: Mr. Holmes, what happened? How could I have been poisoned when Fruma tasted everything first? Why wasn't he poisoned?
3: For a very simple reason, Your Highness. The murderer has been conditioning Fruma for over a year. What do you mean? He's been feeding him gradually increasing doses of arsenic until he has finally become immune to the poison. Great Scott! I never thought of that. Pruma's glossy hair, his complexion, and stout figure are all typical of a person who consumes arsenic regularly. But who could have done it? Only one person had the opportunity. Well, tell us who that person no, is. No, not you, Sir Christopher, not you. For you haven't been on the island for years, whereas Rumor returned from Karavati but three months ago. Raduna has also been in London with her mistress for the past 18 months, remember? The answer is obvious.
7: You did it, Verda. You brought the taster over when you came to fetch me. You'd prepared him for the year beforehand.
5: Of course I did. No white runner will ever rule over Cavaratti. And you murdered Dr. Harris. Equally true. Mr. Horns, give me the key to the door, please. Oh, no. Do not come near me. Please throw it on the floor. Do not hesitate. You see this revolver? I should have no compunction in using it, I assure you. How do you expect to escape, Bearder? The key, please. Thank you.
7: You'll never get away with this, Bearder, you devil.
5: But I shall. We are now in the harbor of Cavarati. I shall swim ashore and arrange your welcome, my dear Rane. Turn your backs, please. Turn them! Thank you. Goodbye. He's gone. Come on, Watson.
3: Talk You, You have your revolver, Watson? Yes, but I didn't get a chance to draw it. He had me covered. I'll well, draw it now, old fellow. Aim for a leg or an arm and don't hesitate to
7: shoot. There he is, up on the lifeboat. He's climbing up on the rail. Where is he? Where did he go? Out there on the rail above us, madam. He's going to dive. Give me that revolver, Dr. Watson. Quick. That's it. Come down off there, birder. Hold.
2: Hey,
7: Keep out of my there he goes. He's dived. Ah! Madam,
3: you shot to kill.
7: Of course I did, Mr. Holmes. Remember that we're now in Cavarotti waters. And that I, though I may not look like it at the moment, I am still the Ronnie of Cavarotti.
1: Say, that, that was a swell story, Doctor. had a lot of color and quite a bit of action. <laughs> color and a bit of action. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you liked it, my boy. Oh, I did. Say, you know, that's not a bad idea. I mean, uh, having someone taste everything before you eat it. Oh, it's a very old idea. Very old. Very common, too, years ago. You know ago. the kind of job I'd like? No,
2: what's, uh,
1: what's that? I'd like to be the official taster for the Petri family. Boy, just think of all the Petri wine I'd get to taste. Petri to the right of me. Petri to the left of me. What a life. What wine? I wouldn't mind having that job myself. (laughs) You said it. The Petrie family, you know, really knows how to make good wine. Well, uh, Doctor, what new story do you have lined up for us next week? Next week, Mr. Bartell,
2: I'm going to tell you an adventure that Sherlock Holmes and I had many years ago. It concerns a series of bonfires, an underground cellar full of gunpowder, and a strange death on the rooftops of
6: London.
1: Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good
2: evening, Mr. Bartell. Draw up a chair. Thank you. That's it. By the way, do you know what date it is?
1: Um, November 5th, isn't it? That's right. In England, it's known as Guy Fawkes Day. Have you ever heard of it? It's something to do with a gunpowder plot, isn't
2: it? Yes, Mr. Bartell, it is. And as Sherlock Holmes and I had a very unusual venture on the 5th of November many years ago, it seems appropriate that I should tell you about it tonight. Before I begin, I think, It might help you to appreciate the true flavor of the story if I tell you a little about the origin and the customs of Guy Fawkes
1: Day. It's a swell idea, Dr. Watson.
2: Well, my boy, on November the fifth, sixteen 1605, exactly 340 years ago today, King James I was about to attend the opening of, of Parliament when a plot was discovered
1: to blow up the House of Lords during the ceremony. And the chief conspirator was Guy Fawkes, I suppose?
2: Yes, he was. He was captured in a vault immediately below the House of Lords, a vault full of barrels of gunpowder. Of course, he and his fellow conspirators were executed. And ever since then, November the 5th has been known as Guy Fawkes Day. Well, uh, how's it celebrated, Doctor? Well, it's a great time for the youngsters, Mr. Bartell. They black their faces, throng the streets, begging for pennies, and build bonfires in which to burn effigies of Guy Fawkes. These effigies are life-sized dummies, stuffed with straw and dressed in old clothes. The children parade them in the streets, chanting rhymes. Well, now, let me see... Please to remember the 5th of November. Guy Fawkes Guy hit him in the eye. <laughs>
1: the kids must have quite a time. Sort of like um, Halloween, aren't huh, I?
2: Yes, not unlike it, my boy. Well, now that I've told you something about the customs of Guy Fawkes Day, I'll get on with my story. It began just before lunch, I remember, on November the 5th, 1899. The day was foggy and cold, and Holmes and I seated each side of a blazing fire in our Baker Street room. From outside, we could hear the sound of voices laughing and singing. Suddenly, Holmes rose and crossed to the window, opened it, and looked out. Then he turned to me and spoke. Children are having a great time, Watson, aren't they? Yes, it cost me a shilling worth of pennies to to walk here this morning.
3: Has it occurred to you, Watson, that the gunpowder plot offers very promising material to the speculative mind? In what way, Holmes? I
2: say it's confoundedly chilly in here. Don't you think you might uh, shut that window?
3: Sorry, old chap. As I was saying, the gunpowder plot offers very promising material to the speculative mind. I've made something of a study of the historical records of the case. There is more than a little evidence to suggest that King James was never in any real danger. Never in any danger? Well, what makes you say that? Knowledge of the proposed dastily scheme came to light early. The James Stuart, King of England, the possessor of a shrewd and diabolical mind, used the spectacular discovery of the plot to try and bolster his waning popularity, as well as to justify increased religious persecutions. Well, that's the first I've heard of it, Holmes. I oh, dare say, old fellow, it's true just the same. I'm afraid James Stuart, King of England, was an unscrupulous tyrant. Come in. Oh, yes, Mrs. Hudson?
7: There's a gentleman to see you, Mr. Holmes. He said it was very important. He asked me to give you his card.
3: Oh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, ask him to come up, please, will you? Aye, sir. Well, who is it, home? A gentleman with a remarkably fine sense of time. Read his card for yourself. Oh, look. Mr. James Stewart.
2: Great Scott, that's an extraordinary coincidence that he should arrive just as we're talking
3: about James Stewart, King of England. Come in. Mr. James Stewart. How do you do, Mr. Stewart? My name is Sherlock Holmes, and this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? How How do you do? Mr. Holmes, you've got to help me. I'm walking about in mortal fear of my life. You've got to help me. Mr. Mr. Stewart, I suggest that you sit down. I'll do anything in my power to help you, but you must compose yourself first and tell me quietly what it is that's frightening you. How can I compose myself when I may be dead within a few hours? No,
2: no, 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 Mr. Stewart. I'm a doctor. I really think if I were to give you a sedative that you'd find... How can you
8: talk of sedatives when I...
2: My heart. Doctor. My heart. All right, all right. Now, here, let me help you with this sofa. There you are now. Would do one. Here's Holmes, and I'll give him some digitalis. A fellow with a bad heart like this shouldn't allow himself to get so excited. Here you Mr. Stewart, drink this. Uh, that's it, that's it. And now this, Mr. Stewart. What is it? It's
8: digitalis. Uh, very well. Yeah. Feel better, son? Yes, Mr. Holmes. Yes, I do. Uh, you're right. I shouldn't get so excited. My heart can't stand it, you know.
3: Watson, is he well enough to talk to you, think? Yes, if he doesn't excite
8: himself again. I'll be careful, doctor. I'll take it quietly. Uh, Mr. Holmes, when you saw my card just now, did it strike any responsive
3: chord? <laughs> Naturally, sir. Who could fail to be intrigued when a James Stewart calls to see one on Guy Fawkes Day? Uh, Uh, It isn't just coincidence that my name is James Stewart's.
8: I've got royal blood in my veins. People know of it. And that's another reason they're out to kill me. They're jealous of my heritage. Every instinct I have is a royal one. Uh, No, you gentlemen know that falconry is a king's sport. And my greatest hobby is the breeding and the uh, training uh, of falconry. Mr. Stewart, please,
3: Mr. Stewart. Owing to the state of your health, I suggest that you be as economical as possible in your explanation. In fact, I think it might be better if I were to question you. Uh, very well, Mr. Holmes. Now, you say that your life is in danger. What evidence do you have to substantiate that claim? Uh, my cousin, Guy Falkenby, has
8: threatened it. Uh, you see, Mr. Holmes, he and I are the only heirs to a wealthy uncle. His fortune will go to the surviving heir. If I were dead, Guy would inherit everything. seems to me, Mr. Stewart, that you should have applied to Scotland Yard for protection. I did, Dr. Watson. Only a few days ago, I saw certain Inspector Estrade. Uh, I think his name was, and he laughed at
3: my fears. Oh, <laughs> And he laughed, did he? Well, then in that case, there may be something in your story, sir. <laughs> you say that your cousin has threatened to kill you. Has he indicated the method he intends to employ?
8: Aye, uh, he has. And it's a devilish plot. Guy has a bitter, twisted sense of humor, gentlemen, even when he's planning as dastardly a thing as a murder. I am James Stewart. He is Guy Falkenby, which is near enough to Guy Fox. Today is the 5th of November, and he's planning to blow me up. (laughs) Oh, come, 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 sir. You can't expect us to believe that. (laughs) But it's true. He warned me. uh, And the celebrations that are going on in the streets of London today would make a rare clock for his activities. Uh,
3: I must confess, Mr. Stewart, that I find your story most unconvincing. All your evidence appears to depend on conversations held between you and this cousin of yours. You have no facts, sir, to substantiate your claims. But I have. Then please let us hear them. I live at 23 Cavendish Square.
8: A week ago, the house next door to me was let to a new tenant. Almost immediately, workmen became very active there. They were digging in the cellars, Mr. Holmes. I could hear the sounds of picks and shovels through the walls. Digging in the cellars?
2: That does sound significant, doesn't
3: it, Holmes? Extremely. Did you observe any other activities of the workmen, Mr. Stewart?
8: Aye, Mr. Holmes. Vans have been delivering large packing cases to the basement during the last two days. Mm -hmm. I I know what's in them, too. It's gunpowder. I tell you, they're planning to blow me up today. Oh, no, no, no. Still, 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 still. You mustn't excite yourself again.
2: What
3: shall I do, Mr. Holmes? I think, sir, it would be better for you to rest here for a while and then go to a nearby hotel, I would suggest, the uh Shaftesbury. And wait there until you hear from us. And where are you gentlemen going? Watson and I, after donning suit of disguises, will visit the house adjoining yours in Cavendish Square. I think an examination of the cellar there might prove most illuminating. <laughs>
2: Oh, this must be the house, all right, Holmes. The empty packing cases are still by the foot of the basement steps. Come on, Watson, let's go down and explore.
3: Pardon my soul, I feel a little self-conscious of these clothes. No need to, my dear chap. You look a most authentic inspector of plumbing. <laughs> if anyone challenges us, uh, you'd better let me do the talking, though. I think my accent might be a little more convincing. Shh. Listen. I can't hear anything. Exactly. Then we may reasonably assume that either the workmen are observing the Guy Fawkes holiday or that their work is done. Come on, let's try this door. It's unlocked. Yes. Ah, this is too easy, Watson. We must be prepared for a trap. Come on. I've got my revolver handy if there's, if there's any trouble. I don't use it until I tell you to. Remember, we're supposed to be plumbing inspectors. It's pitch black in here. I can't see a thing. Strike a match. Find a gas jet. Strike a match and the cellar may be full of gunpowder. Don't take the risk, old chap.
2: Oh, here's a gas jet. I light like it. That's better. Now we can see a little.
3: Uh Uh-huh. I think the workmen have completed their job. See that new wood forming a crude door in the corner over there?
2: Where does it lead to, you suppose?
3: Let's find out. Oh. Also unlocked. Here's a miner's lantern waiting conveniently for us on this ledge. Oh, this is ridiculously easy. Now I'm sure it's a trap. I like that a tunnel? Yes, it's a tunnel leading into
1: Mr. Stewart's house next door. Let's explore it. Look, Holmes. Look at the
3: barrels. I bet they're full of gunpowder. Undoubtedly. We'll observe the fuses as well. Yes, the complete equipment for another gunpowder plot. I can't believe my eyes. What a fantastic plan, but... How could the murderer be certain that Stuart would be killed in the explosion? I think that's easily answered, Watson. Remember Mr. Stuart's bad heart? In his present state of apprehension, an exploding firecracker would be enough to kill him. Oh, I suppose so.
2: Hello? Hello? What's this lying on the floor? Curious? It's a funny
3: strip of silk with a little ring on the end. Let me see it, Watson. Aha. Uh-huh. This seems to be familiar. By Jove. I believe it's a Jess. A Jess? Well, no, sir. The last piece of evidence necessary to confirm the conclusion... Come on out of there!
4: keep your hands above your heads! I've got a revolver!
3: Right, child, Governor. We ain't doing no harm. Now, remember, Watson. I'll do the talking.
4: Come on! Archer, come!
3: <laughs> well, well. You're a comical-looking pair. What are you doing in there? Uh, me and my mate got a message to come over here. And see to the plumbing, mister. Plumbers, eh? Do you have any identification? Yes, sir. Here's my badge. We're inspectors for the London County Council. Oh, that's all right, my man. I saw the basement door open and I,
4: I thought burglars might be here. <laughs> you're the owner of this house, sir? Yes, but my agent led it recently
3: to some tenants who've been behaving rather queerly, I'm told. So I came round here to see what was happening. Uh, if you're the owner, sir, perhaps you can give me some uh, facts for me records. i a to fill me records, you know. <laughs> what do you want to know? Well, your name, please, sir. Falconby. Guy Falconby. Uh, look here, uh, Alfie. Alfie, uh, hold your nose. What did he say? Uh, nothing, sir. Nothing. He's got bady cups. That for, well, had him for months now. I can't stop him. Alfie, here, give me a pencil, will you? <laughs> Thank you, Alf. Now, sir, your name is Guy Falkinbee. Uh, what's the name of the uh, the tenant? This house is let to? There are Three of them. Do oh, you know their names, sir? Got to have them for me records, you see. Yes, the names are Winter, Rookwood, and Keynes. Uh, I. Oh, yes. Uh, Winter, Rokewood and Keynes. That's right, sir. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. if they might be a firm of solicitors, don't they, sir? Well, perhaps they are. I haven't met them. Uh, just one more question, sir, and then I need not bother you no more. Well, what is it? My religion or my grandmother's maiden name? <laughs> no, sir. No, nothing like that. I just wondered who lived in the house next door on that side. We've had a complaint from there, too. Their pipes is bunged up. My cousin lives there. His name's James Stewart. Mr. James Stewart, eh? Not much obliged, sir. Me and my mate will be going next door then. Come on, Alfie. I'm not surprised his pipes are bunged up, as you so graphically put it. He's a great one for practical jokes about
4: the house. As a matter of fact, he's planning one of them tonight. Uh, Ah, well, that's no concern of yours. By the
3: way, my man, what's your name? Uh, Nivet, sir. Tom Nivet. Come on, Alfie. We've got work to do. (laughs)
2: Holmes, I wish you'd tell me what's going on. Why have
3: we taken this cab back to Baker Street? Get out of these clothes. They've served their purpose. Now there's more serious work afoot.
2: Well, I'm still confused about our interview with Guy Falkenby.
3: Why did you say your name was Tom Nivett? More touch of vanity, old fellow. Vanity? How do you mean? Well, consider the names in this case so far, Watson. James Stewart says that he's been threatened by Guy Falkenby. A name, as Mr. Stewart points out, not unlike Guy Fawkes. Do you recall the names of the three tenants that Mr. Falconby gave us a few minutes ago? Yes. Winter, Rokewood, and Keynes. But what's that got to do with it? A great deal, my dear fellow. Thomas Winter, Ambrose Rookwood, and Robert Keynes were the three men executed with Guy Fawkes in the original gunpowder plot in sixteen hundred Lord, where does Tom Nivett,
2: the, the name you gave yourself, fit into the picture?
3: Thomas Nivett was the Westminster magistrate who arrested the conspirators. Since the would-be murderer such an academic knowledge of the original plot, I thought I'd let him know that he was up against an opponent worthy of his skill.
1: Well, Doctor, you and Mr. Holmes were certainly having yourselves quite a Guy Fawkes day. Uh, what happened when you got back to Baker Street? We quickly changed out of
2: our disguises and back into our ordinary clothes. I was still pretty much in the dark, as usual. And I kept questioning Holmes as to our next move. He was in a state of suppressed excitement. And it was obvious, as he spoke to me, that he was anxious to be off.
3: What's the dawdle? There's so much work
2: ahead of us. What do not i am not dawdling. I'm just, as fast as I can.
3: What's our next move, anyway? Well, we must split our forces. Let's get hold of my band of street urchins, the Baker Street Irregulars. I'm going to surround Mr. Stewart's house in Cavendish Square and... They'll be invaluable for that purpose. Well, what do you want me to do? Go to the Chartresbury Hotel and collect Mr. Stewart. Then return with him to his house and wait me there. I shall join you as soon as I've rounded up the Irregulars. But I must warn you. Don't leave Mr. Stewart for a moment. Don't let him out of sight until you see me again. Of
2: course I won't, Holmes. But, uh, I must say,
3: the idea of all that gunpowder in the cellar doesn't make me feel any oh, too happy. have faith happy. in me, old chap. Have huh? faith in me. You know, I wouldn't expose you to any danger if I could avoid it. And I assure you that I shall join you and Mr. Stewart very shortly. You have your revolver? Yes, of course. Good. And, uh, give Mr. Stewart this revolver, will you? Tell him that I insist that he carries it. I fear that his own has probably been tempered with.
2: Right you are, Holmes. I'll see he has it. This is a strange business, I must say. That guy, Falconer
3: seemed such a decent sort of fellow. Yes, he appeared to be a most amiable fellow, didn't he? This is indeed an unusual case, Watson. We're up against one of the most sinister and twisted antagonists that we've ever met. Well, chap, I'm leaving now. I'll join you soon. And don't forget, stay close to Mr. Stewart. Stay very close to him.
8: Dr. Watson, I wish your friend were
2: here. No, no, no. Don't get so excited, Mr. Stewart. you will be here any moment now. You've still got the revolver that I gave you?
8: Yes, it's in my pocket. But what's the good of a revolver if there should be an explosion? Answer me that if you can.
2: Oh, now, you must have faith in Mr. Holmes, sir. He's arranging now to have this house of yours surrounded by his band of street urchins. They'll see that no one gets to the cellar
8: next door to light the fuses. A bunch of children. How can they do anything?
2: Uh, you don't know the Baker Street Irregulars, Mr. Stewart. And it's a perfect day for them
8: to operate. As black-faced boys begging for pennies, they'd pass unnoticed anywhere. I hope you're right. But I have a premonition, Doctor. There's going to be a tragedy. I know well, it. Now, take it easy, sir.
2: Remember your heart. You're in splendid hands when Sherlock Holmes is on the case. Here he is now. Holmes, I say, I'm glad to see
3: you. You received your visitor yet? Visitor? We've seen no one. Then be on the alert. I've just been questioning the boys surrounding this house. A few moments ago, some children pulled a small cart up to the back door. A cart containing a life sized dummy. My irregulars thought that it was an energy on its way to a bonfire. Oh, why shouldn't it be Holmes? I have reason to believe that it's someone visiting you in disguise, Mr. Stewart. A visitor who is mounting the back stairs at this very moment. You've got to stand by me, Holmes. You've got to take Don't me. Don't worry, sir. I... Come in.
8: Look! Look at that apparition! It's got uh, Guy
2: Fawkes' damn it. a dark lantern in his hand, and and it's walking.
3: And also talking, I trust.
8: Keep away from me. I got a revolver.
4: Ah, uh, for Victoria's sake. If you won't give
3: me one, I'll take two. The better for me and the worse for you. It's Guy Falkenberg. Keep away from it, you hear? better for me and the worse for you. All right, then. I'm going to fire. Tell <laughs> yeah, Mr. Stewart, the revolver I've provided for you seems to be unloaded. How very odd. But what in fun is all this about? You've just witnessed an attempted murder, Watson. Murder? What are you talking about? This is a game. James and I had it arranged, the whole thing. You may have thought it was a game, Mr. Palkinby, but I assure you that your cousin. Mr. Stuart, watch me. believing us. Leave me alone. Take your hands off me. I- ah, ah, my heart.
8: Oh, yeah, help, oh, help me oh, put him oh, on the sofa. Oh, oh.
2: That's it.
4: Yeah. I'll
3: get him some digitalis. Look, I don't want to appear unnecessarily stupid, but will someone tell me what this is all about? With pleasure, Mr. Pokenby Your cousin had planned one of the most fantastic murder plots that I've ever encountered came to us with the story that you had threatened his life. But that's ridiculous. I'm very fond of him. Of course it's ridiculous. The whole plot was ridiculous. He leased the house next door, had a tunnel dug and gunpowder and fuses planted there. He even entered the name of the tenants as Winter, Rokewood and Keynes to give the apparent plot a further authenticity. You mean my cousin was the real tenant? Certainly he was. However, he was clumsy enough to drop that uh, piece of silk with the wire ring on the end that you found in the cellar, Watson thing you called a jess. And what's a jess? It's a strap that goes round a falcon's leg to which its leash is fastened. You will remember that Mr. Stewart informed us that falconry is his hobby. And it therefore indicated that he had been in the cellar and consequently must have known about the whole plot. And all he was trying to do was to build up in our minds the belief that his cousin was trying to kill him. Exactly, my dear fellow. Had we believed him, of course, he could have shot you just now, Mr. Falconby, in apparent self-defense. God, Lord, what a fantastic plot. I... I still can't quite believe Falkenby, it. Mr. Falkenby, why are you dressed as a Guy Fawkes dummy? Well, it was James's idea.
4: He said that, that he was going to uh, to dress up too and that we were to go round the bonfires tonight and frighten people by, by appearing as live dummies. But the last message he sent told me to come up here, that, that we'd play a practical joke on a couple of friends of his.
3: And did he provide you with the costume that you're wearing? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. Have you searched the pockets for any weapons? No, but I will. All right, and while you're doing that, I'll examine this dark lantern. How's your patient, Watson?
2: Well, I've given him some digitalis. Uh, now i
4: get him some friends. I can't find anything in the pockets.
3: Here's the answer, my friends. Look here. Inside the lantern is a dagger. Your cousin planted it there to substantiate the claim that you were trying to kill him. Had his plans worked, you would have been dead, Mr. Falkenby, before you could have told us the truth. Here, come back here, Mr. Steele. James! He slipped out of the come door. Found it. He's taking the heart attack. Come on, what's not? <laughs>
4: Holmes, Holmes, where are you? Out of the way, please. Oh, blow me. Here comes
2: the North Merlin London chance. Excuse me, please. I'm trying to find a friend of mine. Most important. Holmes, where are you? Here I am, Watson. I hear you
4: calling
8: me.
2: Out of the way, please. I'm coming home.
3: You, you You got away from me in the crowd. My this dispute got away from us. Well, we'll never find him in this marsh. Dr. Walpole, he's a dangerous man. There's no knowing what he may do. Where are the irregulars? Ah, there's Wiggins. Wiggins. Hello, Mr. Holmes. Wiggins. Dr. Watson. Did you see a man run out of that house a few minutes ago?
7: No, Governor. Perhaps Charlie did. Hey, Charlie, come over here a minute. It's Mr. Holmes. All right. I bet Charlie didn't see anything, though. He got some savvy girl with him. Hello, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Hello, Charlie. Hello,
3: Charlie. Did you see a man run through this crowd a few minutes ago? A tallish man with a gray mustache?
7: Yes, I did. A man came running out of the house over there. That's the house. Where'd he go? He ran down toward where the shops are. And he stole our dummy, he did. The one we are going to burn in the bonfire. I tried to stop him, but he got away. Holmes, Holmes, look up there on the roof. There's a figure. But Joe, I believe it's James Stewart. That's the man. He's the one that stole our dummy. He's standing up on the roof. He's going to jump. If he does, he's going to land in the bonfire. There he goes.
2: He is jumping. Right into the middle of the
3: fire. It's awful. He'll be burned to death. Don't worry, Wiggins. There wasn't a man who fell into the bonfire. What do you mean? From the gyrations that the figure performed as it fell, my dear Watson, I'm convinced that Mr. Stewart threw the stolen dummy to try and put us off the track. Then Stewart's still up there. He is, Watson. Come along, old boy. It's up on the rooftops for us. Up on the rooftops. Here, Watson, let me help you up. Can you reach my hand? Uh, I got it. All right, then. Up you come. Come
2: on. That's it. It seems to me that fire escapes must be designed for for giants.
3: Keep your eyes skinned, old fellow. Stuart's a dangerous man. Might be hiding behind those chimney stacks. Come on.
2: Upon my soul, this is a strange place to be on Guy Fawkes night. Yes, a
3: comprehensive case, Watson. Starts in a cellar and ends on a rooftop. Look, Holmes. By the parapet there. A the crumpled body of Mr. Stuart. Looks to me as if it...
2: Yeah,
3: he's dead, Holmes. Well, it's not surprising. The effort of carrying the dummy up here and throwing it, combined with his own state of excitement, were too much for him. Well, frankly, I can't say that I'm sorry.
2: No, he planned a murder. If it hadn't been for you, he would have succeeded. An extraordinary case, yes. Holmes.
3: Yes, old chap, and one that should long make us remember the 5th of November. By do, yes. Please to remember the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why Gunpowder treason should ever be forgotten.
1: And now, Dr. Watson, what's Sherlock Holmes' adventure you're going to tell us next week?
2: An old favorite, Mr. Bartell, a story that concerns strange music that was heard in a lonely house in the English countryside, and of the living death that stalked there. I call it The Adventure of a Speckled Band.
0: Well, listeners, of the two, which one did you enjoy? I loved the twist of the second OTR where his cousin was completely oblivious to his impending murder. Then that same guy climbs a building to throw an effigy of himself into the fire to only die from his fear of being caught. I mean, just desserts, right? The actor who played the oblivious cousin really, genuinely sounded like he had no idea what was going on. And I can imagine the script not being handed to him so that he genuinely is surprised to hear that his cousin was going to kill him. The sneaky twist of the first tale with the arsenic poison was being fed to the taste tester to build up that tolerance was really fascinating. Can you become 100% immune to arsenic? I really don't think so. I know you can resist it over long periods of time, but 100% immune? Sherlock, I think that's some A-grade makeety uppity Listeners, chime in, and let me know if that is the case, and I'm thinking crazy. Mates, it's time to thank my Patreon supporters now, the people that support me to do what I do every single week. First up is my god-tier supporter, my old night t titan Queen of Cats, Maya. Thank you so much for your awesome tier of support. My computer literally died two days ago, and I managed to buy a part Build it and repair it, all within three hours. Yeah, catastrophic hard drive failure. Can you imagine using your computer and then everything just stopping? Screen black, computer powers down whilst the lights are on. But three hours later and bam, I'm back on the waves. But phew. Thank you, Maya. You helped me bring me back online. Such a godsend. And a god tier of support. You're awesome. My white tea warlord, Lesasaurus Rex. Mate, thank you so much for your email. Love reading your responses, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into my own response back. Dudeio, thank you for supporting me at this tier. I've been able to keep my subscriptions going, as always, and push even harder for new tech to improve the show's quality. What's more is, day in and day out, with your support of this show, I can make new changes and I can try new ideas with audio, like by neural filters and whatnot, knowing that I'll have your support. No matter what I change, lucky to have people like yourself and all my supporters that support me in the way that you do. Thank you, Lesa. You're brilliant. My next white tea warlord, Paige Kramer, Factimus Maximus. Page, I've received your lovely message, and I'll be putting time aside as always to respond. And yes, the Patreon chat does cut off lengthy responses, which I also found out whilst chatting to my lovely supporters. Mate, thank you so much for your support. I've used your donation to upgrade some fans in my editing computer to reduce heat, lower noise, and as a result, less noise means less filtering. Mate, thank you so much for your awesome self, and we'll be in touch. And of course, the lightning in a bottle my legendary Earl Grey Enforcers. I am lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Juice Andy, Peter Affelli, Tasha Moncrief, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker 1, and Divided by Zero. Thank you, all of you, for supporting me. If you know someone who would enjoy the show, send me their way. If you're still here listening to me and not skipping to another podcast, bless you. And should you get 10 seconds spare, leave a review anywhere like iTunes or on your podcast app. Every little bit helps me reach more lovelies like you. Have an awesome week and join me Friday for something different. As always, listeners, till next, we meet.